0: Hello and welcome to Clear Out. I'm your host Nihal Qatar. As always, I'm joined by my brother Sahil. How you doing, man?
1: I'm doing all right. How about you?
0: I'm doing great. We're a couple of weeks into the NBA season. The Bucks are undefeated. They look fantastic. Uh, we're not going to talk about the Bucks today, but you know, I, I, anytime I have the, the chance to throw some love towards the Bucks, I'm going to do it.
1: Yeah, they're off to a great start, and I mean, you can just look at the wins-loss record. This last couple games against the Hawks and the Pistons have been a little bit close for comfort, but they've been able to pull it out. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll have to get to a comprehensive uh, discussion about them sometime soon.
0: Yeah, exactly. We do. We don't talk about them enough. That's my that's my thought. Well, last but-
1: week we were talking about like de- like their three point defense a lot, so.
0: That's true. That's true. I, I I guess I bring him up more than you do, but we are talking about four teams today. I guess five teams today, not named uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. We have some really big news. The Nets have fired head coach Steve Nash after a disappointing two and five start. It looks like Ime Udoka, the suspended Boston Celtics head coach, will be taking over for him. Really? I mean, I'm not going to say shocking news. It's been, it was expected. It is kind of puzzling that they kept him after last season though don't you think
1: um well I, I last season and then the off-season drama about basically kd saying it's either steve nash and sean marks or me and all that kind of stuff i mean it was just it was just a weird situation and yeah i mean i, I didn't really expect him by this point to be still be the coach and after two and five start i guess it it made the decision easier for them. Um, but I, l- like we've discussed before, I think he, he was dealt a difficult hand with a lot of the off-court issues, but uh, yeah, definitely not surprising to see that.
0: Absolutely. Uh, it, it's a tough, it was a really tough job for him, especially as your first stint as a head coach in the NBA. The Nets as an organization are just extremely dysfunctional. There's all the stuff going on with Kyrie. Like you said, the stuff with Durant over the offseason, Ben Simmons, I guess, you know, he's back and playing, but uh, there's still some drama there, I guess. And uh, now you're hiring, you know, just uh, someone else that brings along drama in in Ime Yudoka. Honestly, to me, it's kind of ridiculous that they're hiring him. He was suspended for this season for a reason by the Boston Celtics. You already have so much controversy around your team and now you're bringing in Ime Yudoka. It's just like if you if you are a woman in the Nets organization, or or a Jewish person, or a Jewish woman, how I don't even know how you could even feel at a moment like this. It just it's it's awful uh, in my opinion. Yeah, it's absolutely
1: disgraceful what's going on in the Nets organization. We don't know, you know, everything about Ime's situation, but we know enough to know in the latest reports that he used crude language towards a staffer and clearly abused his power dynamic towards the staffer. So it's disappointing to see that he was basically, in the grand scheme of things, just immediately hired to another team. And it also makes you think about how this investigation was able to be done entirely internally by the Celtics. And then now suddenly he gets to get the next, literally the first job that opens up.
0: Yeah. I, it, it's. I mean, I already said puzzling. It's puzzling. It's upsetting. It's not surprising, with what's going on with the Nets. I mean, you had Joe Psy on Twitter last week going on and talking about how he needs to talk to Kyrie, uh, about his comment or about his retweets and comments and whatnot, and then Kyrie just doubles down in his press conference, and then. You're doing this. So, you know, anything that comes out of Josai, I'm not really believing. Because um, ultimately, this is his decision, right? Like, this is his decision to hire Ime Yodoka. It's his team. Uh, I've lost a lot of respect for that dude.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm... I, it's, it's just so disappointing to see some of the stuff that's gone on with this organization uh, <laughs> uh, going on for a couple years now, so...
0: Uh, I mean, from, unfortunately, from, we will have
1: to talk, to, yeah, in terms of basketball uh, about yeah. them eventually. That won't be today, but um, yeah, we'll see what happens mm-hmm. with the Nets going forward.
0: Absolutely. Uh, all I'll say, basketball wise, is they've been terrible this season. So, um, well, we're going to move on to some teams that are, well, mostly the teams that have been playing well. The Nets were, you know, are not performing to the level I thought, according to my specific prediction. But on the other side, the team that we're about to talk about, the Phoenix Suns, are performing at the level that I expected. They are currently 5-1 and one atop the West, have been fantastic. No Jay Crowder in the team, but they seem to have picked up right where they left off in the regular season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it starts with, I think, their undisputed best player now, Devin Booker. It feels like he's putting everything to, together. He's getting to the rim at a higher rate than ever in his career, which I feel like is showing. He's been a menace in transition and looks so explosive um, going to the basket. Uh, Just more more monster dunks than I feel like I've ever seen from him in such a a small amount of time. And I feel like he could still take a few more threes, but it's hard to argue with how effective he is in the mid-range. Shooting 38% on pull-up threes, though, so I feel like there's some more meat on the bone if he wants it. Um, But, like... Yeah, he's just... What have you seen from Booker specifically? Because it feels like he's really um, become this... I What I think now is going to be a consensus first or second team All-NBA guy.
0: Yeah, I mean, he... He just seems like an even better version of himself, which is crazy to say. Uh, he is playing a lot, you know, 37 minutes per game. But uh, I, I have been really impressed with him. I agree with you. You know, I would like to see him take more threes uh, going forward, but it's working for them. It's working for them. And he really has had to pick up more of the clutch scoring for them, especially, you know, in some games we've seen Chris Paul on the bench. Um, I mean, they haven't really had a a super close game uh, since the first game of the season. But even so, you know, he's been able to carry the team down the stretch. I think that really bodes well for for him in the playoffs. Another guy, I mean, I think Damian Lee has looked really good. Uh, I think that was a really nice pickup for them. Um, you know, he I, the Suns fans already love him, and uh, I I've, I've been very impressed with him as well. And also, Torrey Craig, dude, Torrey Craig's playing well. I'm really happy for him too. I, I he's been shooting lights out. We'll see if that you know stays. Um, I can't I can't remember now. I think it was against the Pelicans, but it was some game I was watching the Suns play. He was getting like every single offensive rebound and just like dunking all over. Um, so. He, If he can be a contributor on offense, he is another really valuable team in the playoffs, a, a really valuable player in the playoffs, and I think can slot into those Jay Crowder minutes quite nicely uh, as the season goes on, if he continues to play well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a good note that Torrey Craig has helped, been helping them on the offensive boards, because usually that's not a place where the Suns are very good, because they kind of choose to get back and prioritize transition defense instead of crashing glass, but it's great if they've been if they've been doing that. Um, you know, this defense, they're ranked 5th in defense right now and 2nd in offense, 5-1 and one record. Um, this defense feels like they're just... It feels like they're a little bit greater than the sum of their parts. Like I'm not seeing Aiden's impact quite as much defensively, but it's early. But I feel like those backup centers have been doing a great job defensively, and they're not even giving up many looks at, at the rim to begin with. So I just... I feel like the secret sauce is just executing different schemes which they've done i've seen them run zone drop switching and they're just kind of on a string communicating and executing well without having other than mikhail bridges who i'll give credit to takes on some of the toughest matchups in the league other than him having like you know an uh, elite elite defenders um so it's impressive what they've been able to do and they've been doing it um for multiple years now with bonnie williams
0: yeah, I mean, I was I was gonna say, you know, this team for the past three years has been has outperformed some of their parts, but it is it's more surprising with the way Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton are playing, as you said. But uh, I mean, I, I you mentioned Mikhail Bridges, he has been playing super well. Uh, he's been one of the most efficient players in the league this season, and um, you know that that's going that's really good for them. He was somebody that was floated around in trade talks, uh, maybe for another superstar. He was in the Kevin Durant talks, but, um, you know, and if maybe if some other star becomes available that could help the Suns, he might he might resurface again in those talks. But he's such a good player. I mean, he's a great defender, really efficient shooter. So uh, just a great piece, a great young piece for them to have. And you're hoping as the season goes on, he and Cam Johnson can continue to add parts to their game and continue to improve in a way that – you know, makes makes you think that they haven't yet hit their ceiling. I think that's sort of the consensus. Like, these players are the players they are. I That was terribly worded, but you, you know what I mean, right? No, like, I know what you mean, yeah. yeah so I, I, I hopefully that they can uh, improve and show some more this season. I want to ask you about Jacques, Jacques Landau. Is that how you say it? <laughs> I, I wanted um, to talk
1: about Jacques Landau. <laughs> yeah. okay, right. I'll, 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 give you, I'll give
0: you the floor with that then, because... Uh, fascinating that at 27 years old he's making such a big impact for one of the best teams in the league
1: no i was just gonna say yeah i love the jock landale experience i feel like he can put the ball on the floor a little bit for a big man gives them good effort on the boards and was even playmaking a little bit it just feels like he was doing a little bit of uh, the little things right and uh he's he's been uh uh not efficient but i mean he's actually been involved in a lot a lot of their like his usage rate is the second or the third highest on the team or sorry, fourth, uh, but barely behind um, behind Chris Paul. Interestingly enough, um, Chris Paul is below DeAndre Ayton in usage, and I feel like that's been kind of showing um, when you watch these games. Chris Paul's always been deferential in the sense that he's going to make his teammates better around him, but it seems like there's some possessions where he's just not even involved a lot. Um, like you said, he's not having the best season, uh, especially in terms of efficiency, like he he's had such a tremendous career in the regular season in terms of efficiency, um, and this year it's just not it's just not at that point. Um and I think we're also getting to the point where he's not like a plus defensively. Like it used to be like, you know, he's small and you can maybe take advantage of him, but he works so hard, he's he's so strong, like he's 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 a great player defensively. But at this point I'm just I'm just not feeling it that much. But um all of that to say, like, with the Chris Paul concern, because of the infrastructure in this team, the coaching, and Booker getting even better along with some of the other young pieces around them, I'm not that worried about it. I think Chris Paul can be a little bit worse, and they can still be a threat.
0: Yeah, I mean, his usage rate is, like you said, uh, low from based on what we've seen in the past, but he still has a super high assist rate. He's still in the 97th percentile on assist usage rate, so uh, or assists, um, over, assist to usage ratio, rather. Uh, so, I mean, he when he's on the floor, he's being efficient in terms of his passing, even if he's not being efficient in terms of his shooting. Uh, and maybe that's just what he needs to do, right? Especially with the players the Suns have. Um, and, I, and I do think it's a little unfair to say uh, Londale is inefficient. I mean, yeah, it, it looks like he's inefficient. He's only shot eight shots in the midrange. He's three for eight. And he is two for 14, from three this season which is not good and definitely brings his numbers down but he is he is shooting 76 percent at the rim which is more than adequate so i mean if, if if he i mean i don't i honestly i don't know what his profile is prior to this season so if he either shot stop shooting threes or just starts making threes i think he will i mean he will look a lot more efficient and i don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities
1: yeah, absolutely. I think I think generally, yeah. I think relatively to the position, you know, you're gonna you, when you're competing against other big men who are getting everything around the rim, your efficiency sometimes looks worse relatively if you're trying harder degree of difficulty shots. Um, yeah, it would be interesting to see if you know. I mean, we've seen the the Frank Kaminsky experiments in the past. I would like to see, uh, you know, maybe uh, Sarge has only played one game, but some looks with, like, maximum spacing would be interesting, too, just to see how they work offensively. But um, if it's not going to be Jock, I don't, I mean, Aiden hasn't uh, taken many this year either, so we'll see if they can they can find a look like that. But, yeah, this team is just, um, this team is just, you know, it, it's a lot of what they don't do, right? It's, they, they rebound the ball on both sides of the ball. They don't turn it over much. They force turnovers. Like, it's just, it, it just feels like, I mean, and it's been like this. It's how they won sixty plus games last year. They're just a, uh, they're just a super, well-executing uh, team.
0: Yeah, well-executing, well-coached, uh, and you know, like I was saying in the preseason, um, I-, I really don't understand why, like, why team or why people have are acting like the Suns are dead. Uh, they clearly aren't, and. I I honestly I'm excited to see them playing this well. Do you do you have anything else on the Suns?
1: Yeah, I guess just to kind of get at what you're, part of what you're alluding at, people were probably talking a little bit about the Deandre Ayton situation with they wanted to they wanted to trade him, and then there was a sign and tra- the or sorry the matching offer with Indiana. Um, and I think that Ayton doesn't look his best, but he's been solid. I think he's forcing it at times a bit offensively, which I think is leading to his lower lower efficiency but i think he can still be i still like that they're getting him the ball a little bit more in the post and like seeing what he can do because i think he's a more dynamic player than just a straight up roller or like another you know i think he, chris paul can and devin booker can use him in more in different ways than they can for bismack biombo obviously he's he's a, he's a, he's a very um you know he's a di- more a more dynamic offensive player than Biombo, so We'll see. I, I, I like that they're giving him some more looks. I, I think he'll cash in as the season goes on.
0: Absolutely. Um, the Suns have two really big games this weekend. Uh, they play the Blazers twice. It'll be interesting to see how they uh, fare against the Blazers. They, they played them in the first game of the season, so it'll, within the first three weeks, they'll have played three times already. So, um, definitely something to track. And honestly, I... That, <laughs> These games are important now. I mean, we were talking about this off mic, but uh, you know, now that they now that they will have played three times, that could make a real difference in terms of playoff seating. So, at the end of the season, if they are tied, which I, again I don't think is that far fetched to suggest that they could be tied at the end of the season on record. Um, all right, so moving on, let's talk about the Dallas Mavericks next, the team that beat the Suns in last year's playoffs. What have you seen for the Mavericks? They're 3-3, three and three, so not the greatest start. You know, teeb obviously, that's very Luca centric as it should be. Not that many great players around them. They lost Jalen Brunson in the offseason, but they did add uh, Christian Wood. Uh, so what what have you seen from them so far this season?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like, like you said, they're Luka-centric. I feel like i got to start with Luca. Um, he's been absolutely incredible to start the season. Uh, you can probably bring up the counting stats there, but uh, just... Posting him up, having him iso in the pick and roll. It feels like they're all effective ways to get either him or his teammate to easy points. Um, still needs to cut back on the complaining a little bit. Has gotten a few technical fouls that way. But uh, he's at a whopping 45% usage. So the offense for this team is, is, isn't is coming down much without Brunson. But could it affect them long term if they're this reliant on Luka right now? I, I think absolutely it could. So maybe they want to figure out more ways to balance the load a little bit maybe give um, Dinwiddie some more pick-and-roll options, give the ball maybe even a little bit more to Christian Wood, who's been effective so far. But um, it's amazing what Luca's able to do a lot, even with uh, these paint-bound centers and JaVale McGee and Dwight Powell, who they've been playing a lot, um, as opposed to those Maxi Kleba at-center looks that they played a lot in the playoffs. But, um, yeah, I mean, Luca has been absolutely phenomenal. Also, 50% of his of his teammates made back, made baskets he's he has assisted on, excuse me, when he's on the floor, uh, which is just ridiculous.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, he, he has the highest usage rate in the league, like you said. Um, his county stats, he's averaging 37, 10, and 9 this season. Um, and he's averaging also almost two steals per game, uh, which I, I believe would be the highest of his career. Uh, yeah, it feels his, like he's getting his
1: hands up a lot, just when I've been watching him.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's that has really helped them uh, quite a bit. Um, Aside, you know, you mentioned that you would like to see Christian Wood get more opportunities. He has not started any of the games. He's been a six-man all season. Do you think that's something that's going to continue, or eventually they're going to have to slot him into the starting lineup? Because he has been ridiculous this season. I mean, he's shooting what 59% from three, I think. Um, So I mean, he he's been obviously that's not going to be sustainable, but. He is playing really well on the offensive end. Do you think he'll be in the starting lineup before long? Um, and also, how has he looked on defense?
1: Um. Well, I think he's. I think, basically, what's been going on, I think, is that Javale McGee and Dwight Powell have been a little bit underwhelming. So I think I, th- I don't think Javale McGee should be starting at all. He's been he's started in a lot of their games. I think he's been out. He was out a, a few due to injury, so Dwight Powell was starting. Um, and I, I liked them a lot better um, with Dwight Powell at center. I think he's actually a more dynamic roller and can catch lobs better with Luka and has been better on defense. But to your point, um, with Luka and Christian Wood in 180 possessions, which is like a decent volume of possessions for this point in the season, um, which is still not much you know, in the grand scheme of things, they're outscoring their opponents by 20 for 100 possessions. So that, 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 that combination is really Jeez. working. And I think Christian Wood's giving them efficient scoring off the bench. As you said, I, I I think he's locking in a bit more defensively. I just, I still don't think he quite is good at the timing stuff and it's going to take him some time. But honestly, I think I, my preferred system would be start Dwight Powell, JaVale McGee, not that much of a place in this rotation. Dwight Powell um, gives you more of that standard rim protection. Can, can You can spam pick and roll with him and Luka. And then Christian Wood can give you, um a little bit more of a different look off the bench. I still like him coming off the bench overall, I think. But um, I would like to see the JaVale McGee minutes go down. I just don't think he's been uh, the same guy this season.
0: Absolutely. Uh, So JaVale McGee has started five of their six games, and Dwight Powell did start the other one. Um, But yeah, like you said, Christian Wood, with him on the floor even, they're plus 17.5 points uh, per 100 possessions, which is absolutely insane. Um, You do lose a bit of rebounding if he is your five on the floor. Um, So, I I mean, that might be why they like having those other guys in there. Um, But, uh, obviously, aside from the the defense. But I think eventually, you know, he's going to have to be in the starting lineup. Um, It's just such an interesting team because, I mean, they have so many 3 and D guys. They have Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, Reggie Bullock, Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, so, uh, it, how, how do you think those guys have been playing? Do you think that they could maybe package one of those guys and, and somebody else and bring in another impact scorer? And I guess also, um, is Spencer Dinwiddie an effective replacement for Jalen Brunson? Like, do you think? I know he, he was on the team last year. Uh, Dinwiddie was, but can Spencer Dinwiddie fill fill that Jalen Brunson role?
1: Yeah, so I think uh, the numbers would say, yeah, he's been doing a great job. When Luca's on the bench, he's really been carrying the offense well, and even from watching them, they've, they've he's had a steady dose of pick and roll, and they, that seemed to have um, done more than enough offensively for them, which is helping them get to that third rank in the league offensively. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr., he is not looking great off his injury, um, really struggling to find a rhythm. Looks like sometimes he's forcing it. Maybe uh, Jason Kidd and company can get him coming off more screens off the ball because I think he's a really good movement shooter, and I've seen him destroy teams that way, just coming off screens and hitting threes. Um, did look good towards the end of their recent game against the Magic, though, so hopefully that's a sign to, uh, uh, a sign of things to come for him. Um, but I think, you know, it, it's... Yeah, it's basically... Sometimes it's tough to say for some of these guys because it's like this offense is so static um it's either a lot of times it's either a simple pick and roll or a, a Luca post up or a an isolation and you can't blame it because they're it's it, it blame them for doing that because it's so efficient but sometimes it feels like you're just judging the role players on if they make threes or not and that can be very volatile to the first six games but i think dorian finney smith has shown good effort um defensively and i think bullock has as well um and bullock has um hit a a decent fair of his shots seemingly from beyond the arc don't know the exact numbers on that but um yeah i think um i think yeah dorian fitness smith is off to a slow shooting start but i'm not too worried about that we've seen him hit big threes in big moments and it's interesting to see i think that that kleba uh spot even though they've barely played him at center um throughout this season, I still think that's going to be something that's important to them because Luka, with four shooters around him, like that's one of the most unstoppable combinations in the league.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Um, you're, like you said, Reggie, Reggie Bullock uh, has been shooting 41% from three. Uh, so, like you said, that is impressive. Um, Tim is shooting 43% from three. And then, like you said, Finney Smith is only shooting 33% from three. Tim Hardaway Jr. is shooting 36% from three, which is... You know, now, kind of average at this day and age. And, I mean, th- two weeks to the season, obviously it's only been two weeks to the season. That's actually only the 37th percentile, which is for those that qualify, which is actually insane. That 36% from three is only in the 37th percentile of all shooters that qualify. Um, Luca, on the other hand, has been only shooting 24% from three. Is that something that you've seen? Is it is it shot, is it shot selection? Is it the way the defenses are playing Luca above the break? What do you think?
1: Um, I don't really think so. I think, I think he'll get. I mean, he's never been a super high percentage three point percentage guy, so I don't, I don't think, I don't. Yeah, and I, I, I think part of it, like you said, is shot selection. Like he takes some high degree of difficulty threes. Um, I, it's not like he's started missing shots, so teams are going to defend him differently. I, I haven't. So, so from that perspective, I haven't, I haven't seen anything there. I think, I think he'll get back up to the mid thirties by the end of the season. Um. But they did have a concerning loss recently to the Thunder. Uh, OKC came back um, from 16 points with four minutes left to force overtime, and I thought bad interior defense was a part of that, and just a lot of missing open threes. And sometimes with this system that's that's a little bit static, a little bit Luka ISO heavy, you live and die that way, and that can that can hurt you seemingly. But um, Luka also missed some key free throws. I think he's shooting the, the, the free throw fine. Over the whole season, but he missed like three or four in the last few minutes there. Um, also Isaiah Joe going off for the Thunder was part of that comeback, of, of, and, and, uh, Sheikh Alexander being brilliant. But it's interesting because they, they had a top five, six defense last year. And, you know, I know, I know how well they were communicating and trying, but I don't know if you can get, get there with the overall collection of this defensive personnel, especially when, um, Arguably, your second most talented offensive player, is a, is a bit of a defensive liability in, in in Christian Wood.
0: For sure, for sure. I, you know, someone I would like to see maybe play a little bit more is, is Josh Green. It, it's tough because they do have so many wings. Um, when I've watched the Mavs, for me, like in the limited minutes he's had, he's kind of jumped off the screen. Um, I think he can project to be a really good defender. He's shooting really well this season his effective shooting percentage is like 82 percent, which is crazy wow. uh, what have you seen from him uh thus far
1: yeah i like what he's done i feel like he's made some some simple plays i feel like i've seen some good pump and go action to make it a little bit more unpredictable rather than just like you know catch and shoot i feel like he's able to attack closeouts decently um defensively it looks like he's trying usually in the right spot so yeah i'd like i i i had him in my no- notes too as being someone who um I've liked what he's done and I'd like to see him more as just another wing to throw out there around Luka.
0: Absolutely. And in his first two seasons, he was in the 87th and 92nd percentile, respectively, with around um, a 2% steal percentage rate. Uh, And this season, he's already at 3.7, so obviously that'll come down too, but uh, he's an aggressive guy on defense as well, which is something that maybe they could use. Um, Mm. Yeah. I I think if this team really wants to succeed, getting some of those steals and getting into transition quickly could be really beneficial for them. Obviously, they have maybe the best, um, well, probably one of the top two or three half court offensive players in the league. Uh, But I I just think, I I don't know how, and we've been saying this for years now, I, I don't know how much longer they can just rely on luka to score 37 points a game cuz it's not really working so far this season. They're 3 and 3. Um he's been incredible, but the roster is just it's just not there right now. Do you disagree?
1: No. I mean, I I don't well, I, I so it's it's going to be a tough year just because of the the amount of I feel like good teams there are, especially in the Western Conference. But this team I think is closer to the play in mix than hosting a first round playoff series right now. And they've got time. It seems like they've got time. I mean, Luca, I don't he's very young still. Like, this is uh the, the 20, 2018 season was his first season, so this is like his fifth season. Um but I I at some point you gotta put a little bit of pressure because when you have one of the best three, four, two best players in the world, you gotta you gotta put you, you can't just let players go for nothing like jalen brunson and he, there's got to be a certain level of pressure to start you know um competing competing for championships and i know they made the western conference finals last year so it seems a little bit premature to you know talk like this but it does just the roster just seems a little weak and a little bit a little bit um a little bit just kind of asking luca to do everything as you say and uh while i think that that's i mean it's working offensively right now that, that's going to hit a point of diminishing returns
0: for sure, and and Jalen Brunson has started off his career pretty well with the Knicks, I would say, um, and that was really disappointing. Just letting him go, I think there was some idea that last season was just a bit of a flash in the pan, but I mean, like you said, you gotta at least get something for him. I mean, even if it's like, even if it's just picks. So, I, you know, we'll, we'll see how much, because t- they don't really have that much roster flexibility either. So, um, I don't know what their pick situation is like. We'll see if they get desperate and make any moves during this regular season. Um, anything else on the Mavericks?
1: Uh no. I, I it'll be it'll be interesting to see where they land. This is really a team where I could see going in a lot of different directions. I wouldn't be surprised if they finished eight or nine, or I mean, three or four wouldn't really surprise me if Luca just has like a uh, like a like a near unanimous MVP type season or something like that.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, I, I could see that too. Uh, but the record's got to be. They, i don't think they can be in the plan for that to happen so um let's move out east uh the, well i guess to the midwest uh, we're gonna be talking about the cleveland cavaliers who are off to a fantastic start they are five and one and that that currently is second place in the east right behind the milwaukee bucks donovan mitchell has been great for them um jerry allen and evan Moble- mobley still doing their thing Evan Mobley has now moved into the top four for Defensive Player of the Year odds, so that's really exciting for another one of my very specific... Or, well, well he was my DPOY pick, so I would love for that to happen. Um, and I know we're not talking about the Nets, and we're not going to talk about the Nets, but it's just so funny to me because Jared Allen solved so many of the Nets' problems, and they traded him away for nothing, basically. So Or not for nothing. I shouldn't say that. It was not for nothing, but they did trade him away, um, and he would be really helpful on that team. But he is doing his thing with the Cavs and helping them and anchoring like anchoring along with Evan Mobley, um, one of the more intimidating defenses in the league.
1: Yeah, it's it's a nice luxury to be able to play either both of those guys together or just one of them. Offensively, both, both like all three of those combinations, you could say, um, are doing well defensively. But offensively, they are struggling a bit with both those bigs on the court, which um, didn't seem to be much of an issue last season, but we'll have to track that going forward. But like you said, Donovan Mitchell off to an incredible start. Um, Thirty-two points, five rebounds, seven assists a game on fifty percent, forty-six percent, eighty-six percent splits. Um, it's early, but it, it's looking like he's bought in defensively. And this team is second in defense and fifth in offense right now. And their second best offensive player left in the first game so uh, right. with an eye injury, and he should be back soon. So
0: right, I didn't even I didn't even mention they've been doing this without Darius Garland. Um, do you think him coming back will hurt their defense, though? I, it, I do need to see him and Mitchell play more together and see how that works on defense, because that was their biggest concern, right? And, I mean, the other thing is Karis LeVert has been incredible these last few games. Um, I kind of expect that to... I, I kind of expect him to regress, but maybe he won't. Maybe he's, maybe he's just that dude again. I, I mean, I say again, but he was that dude, what, in the bubble? that Right? Uh-huh, yeah so.
1: no yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah I remember a last second shot was it in a was it in a play game I think like the old version of the plan something like that he was insane right. um yeah dropping 40 in that overtime win to the Celtics uh I don't think he's a permanent solution uh at that three spot to, to get to your question um
0: but who is this, who do they have at that three spot
1: so I would like to see Karis come out of the starting lineup and Dean Wade stay in the starting
0: lineup. Interesting.
1: <laughs> Dean Wade is a limited player. He like on offense, he literally just shoots or makes an immediate pass, but still gets a lot of a decent amount of assists for the amount of minutes he plays that way. But every time I watch Dean Wade, it feels like he's helping the Cavs win games, and his on off numbers are absurd this year. And I, I think he's I think he's he's shooting his shooting numbers are absurd this year too. So he's leading the league in three point percentage. I mean just he just makes such quick decisions and seemingly makes a positive play i feel like every time he touches the ball okay that that might be a not like a positive positive play but like he d- doesn't make big mistakes he's not like, messing up yeah or is making a positive play like hitting 65 of his threes this season
0: <laughs> like i mean that's ridiculous
1: yeah that's not going to continue obviously but like they need they need that bit of shooting um, and he's been helping them shoot much better than we. I think we thought overall from three. They're shooting forty three percent from three. That's not going to sustain either. But the point is that I think Deed Wade kind of gives you a bit of that two way impact that they that they can use and a bit of that size along with a Garland um, Mitchell backcourt, especially compared to Karis Lavert. I like that solution a little better.
0: Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing that concerns me. I, well, I you know. I guess I hadn't really thought about that. I guess I assumed Karis Levert would just be in the starting lineup, but I think it makes a lot of sense for Dean Wade to be there, especially since Levert can be that scorer off the bench. Um, The thing that concerns me, I think, the most about this team is their interior scoring, on offense at least. Um, You know, they they just don't get that many shots up at the rim per game. Uh, And that, you know, they're shooting the lights out of the ball this season already, um, you know, like you said, D. main shooting 64% from three on 22 attempts. Kevin Lum shooting 49% on 35 attempts overall, not per game, obviously. <laughs> um, uh, Karis LeVert shooting 48% from three. Donovan Mitchell, 46%. So if we wanted
1: to be negative, th- we could say that they're getting a little lucky right now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying, right? Like yeah. they are scoring, they're shooting incredibly well from three. They're, I mean, they are shooting okay around the rim, but they just don't get that many shots up. Um, even, even like Evan Mobley and um, Jarrett Allen combined have what? They have 53 shots by the rim, um, around the rim this season. Uh, that's, I mean, that's less than 10 per game uh, between two guys, uh, between two seven-footers. So yeah. I, I think that's concerning to me.
1: No, I think that's a good point because I still don't think this is like a fantastic shooting lineup because you just have you have Mobley and Jared Allen in your starting lineup one a very limited shooter who usually won't shoot and one who never shoots threes really so um, no yeah it, it, it's that's 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 a good thing to point out because that three point number is not going to stay there so they're going to need to be able to commentate in some way and I think part of that we expected might be a little bit more of a progression and it's still very early i still believe in evan mobley to make steps but like so far what i've seen it just it doesn't seem i'm not i, I didn't see any big leap like there was a lot of hype around him in the off season that he was going to come into the season with a big leap like obviously he's got time no pressure but i think he's shown enough flashes of different skills to to show that he's going to be a, an even better offensive player but we're not seeing that quite yet um, at least work in a way that's consistently, um, where you want it, or where you, like, like where it will be eventually. Um, but yeah, I think that's a very good point. Um, like Mitchell, Mitchell's not going to be able to be this awesome offensively all the time, but it is, it is, uh, it is, I feel like a good sign that Donovan Mitchell's usage isn't really up from where it was with Utah. And he's being this efficient, and you have Darius Garland coming back. So, like, if he's if he's gonna be this efficient with being the lead guy right now, and you're gonna take a little bit more pick and rolls away from him, a little bit more isolations away from him, like he could be even more efficient um, with Darius Garland there, and they're both good shooters, so they're gonna help each other off ball as well. So, I think the offense has has a chance to stay in that top five, and the defense, like you said, I mean, there's a question with Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell. Garland has physical limitations. Donovan Mitchell, I think it's been more effort over the years, um, and maybe just not having the instincts. But I I, 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 I'm confident that this team has the pieces together. Like I thought, this team was a little bit un- um, overlooked going into the season. Like I, I think when you have those four guys, I feel like you, you're you're in the you're in business to be like a top five seed in the East. And I think that's I think I think that's still where they're headed this year.
0: For sure, for sure, and you know, I, I, we should mention that um, Evan Mobley shooting forty six percent from the mid range on on decently high volume, so that's encouraging. Um, and then Jared Allen's only shooting thirty two percent from mid range. you expect that to go up? Because he's actually a pretty good mid range shooter. So I mean, there is there are ways I think for the Cavs to be pretty creative on their offense, since both those guys can score from the mid range. They're not just like under the under the rim scorers. Like that's not all they can do. Um, so maybe, maybe they can be creative in that way come playoff time. Um, but really exciting and encouraging start for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Do you have anything else on them?
1: Um, yeah, just that, uh... Oh, Isaac Okoro, I really want him to work offensively, but I'm just you not know, sure anymore. You
0: know, I really do not want to talk about Isaac Okoro today. I knew you were going to bring him up, but he's just a non-factor.
1: He started 0- 0 for ten from three in six games this year. I believe he can pick it up, but uh, I'll be I'll be I'll be back with the next Isaac Okoro update the next time we talk about
0: the Cavs. <laughs> I, I, he he's got so much. I mean, I still do think he has uh, decently high potential. Also, um, th- and they are. Go ahead,
1: go ahead. No, no you're going if you're still talking about Okoro. Uh,
0: well no, I wasn't going to, so I'll let you I'll let you say.
1: <laughs> well any t- t- yeah, more. anytime I can hear more about a Cora, I am willing. But no the- <laughs> Well, I was just gonna say I didn't I feel like we didn't emphasize enough that like this defense is flying everywhere. Like if you watch them, like obviously it's led by those two guys, but like I think they're one of the more entertaining defenses to just watch. Like like the Bucks have a better defense, they're the only better defense, um, according to cleaning the glass uh, per 100 possessions, but the Cavs defense is like they've got like s- some pep in their steps. There's some young guys just flying around everywhere.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's so true. Uh, I'm actually going to a Cavs game this Friday at, at Detroit, so I'm excited to see that in person for sure. Um, and What I was going to say is this team is playing so well, they're also still so young. I mean, Donovan Mitchell's 26. Mobley's of course twenty one. Jared Allen's only twenty four. I think people kind of forget that because it feels like he's been around forever, but he's he's only twenty four years old. He hasn't even hit his prime yet. Um, and then you you know you got you got I mean Darius Garland's twenty not a twenty not even twenty three yet. This is so exciting for Cavs fans. I think, um, and they deserve to be really really excited and really encouraged by what they're seeing. Um, you know, a lot of people thought the the Donovan Mitchell, it makes them better, but doesn't make them a contender. A lot of people thought, no, I mean, I still don't think they're necessarily contender, but I do think they can make some noise in the playoffs. Uh, even if their shooting does regress a little bit. Absolutely. All right. Moving on to the last team that we're going to be talking about. Um, well, I mean, I guess we are going to review our hidden gems. So we'll also be talking about two more teams after that, but the last team in this segment, uh that we're talking about and that is the San Antonio Spurs uh I'm not gonna lie Sahil you're gonna kind of have to carry this segment because I have not really watched them this season <laughs> um, but they are playing extremely well from what it looks like they are currently five and two uh they lost DeJounte Murray so that's really surprising uh but they do have the best coach in NBA history so maybe maybe it's not that surprising
1: yeah i mean there yeah there is that like floor raising effect of greg popovich like these teams like if it feels like yeah it feels like there have been years over the past like fast few years where they've just been winning way more games than people expect or like competing in playoff series where they where they shouldn't be like even that that seven two series against the the nuggets um in 2018 season like that, that i i remember that being like an epic seven game series when it was like the uh, like the two best the two best players are probably on the, on on Denver in that uh, um, in that series but yeah um, not too surprising except still a little bit surprising because this team this might be the worst roster in the entire league um, <laughs> what? they they have a negative point differential right now so Spurs fans I'm sorry I don't think this is going to last that long uh, the Spurs are 25th in defense 15th in offense but th- the the biggest feel good story is is Keldon Johnson I mean. A huge increase in usage for Kelton Johnson. He's actually scoring the ball more efficiently than before, even with that increased usage. He's in a lot more pick-and-rolls, making impressive reads there. He's by no means perfect, but just doing a very, very impressive job and averaging 25 points, 4 rebounds, and 4 assists a game. And he's been efficient, shooting 44% from 3, and it's been all types of 3s. And he's been solid defensively, as always, as well. So Kelton Johnson, like, not, not someone who, like... You th- like I I thought could maybe like is like a, I, an all star through six games or something like that. No no no, <laughs> I completely
0: disagree, dude. I'm a I'm a Kellen Johnson stan. Uh, <laughs> ever since he was calling into the U.S. camp and he got so much crap for it, I I've I've really been caping for him, and I'm glad it's kind of paying off. No, he's a good I,
1: player. He's a good player. But did you think he like, could be a 25 point per game guy?
0: <laughs> to me, to me, honestly, he is like. Chris Middleton. I mean that they don't play exactly the same way obviously, but he's just kind of that player that can do everything, you know? Uh, he he doesn't necessarily do everything at an elite level, but he's he's like the quintessential pop player in my opinion in, in that he is he can do everything and he's only dude, he's only 22 years old. Uh, I mean he's almost 23, but he's still he's another guy who's just super young. The sky's the limit for him, I think
1: yeah no he's he's been he has he's got room to grow and he's been awesome this season um another feel-good story is zach collins who hasn't played more than um 28 games since 2018 i believe he's been looking pretty good moving pretty well hitting a lot of shots he's been very efficient um and it's just it's just good to see him playing basketball again it, it felt like he was a big part of the portland trailblazers in 2018 and um, I, I'm just glad to see him uh, competing out there. And I feel like a lot of their, their the reason they've been able to stay afloat sort of defensively is one, they're really good at running guys off that three-point line. And they've always kind of been good at doing that under Pop, even though, even though they don't take many. Although this year, they actually are taking threes. Uh, ninth most in the league by percentage, which is uh, very surprising for, for Greg Popovich's team. But back to what I was saying, they they give up a lot of shots at the rim, but Pirtle does a really good job of defending those shots. Jakob Pirtle, and playing that drop coverage, just protecting the rim. He does a really good job of tagging the roller and pressuring the ball handler, like at the same time. I, I think like I feel like in a different context, Pirtle could be an all defense guy. He's been in discussions before, but like he's he's just just at that one job, he's just like elite elite at playing that drop coverage. Um and uh yeah, I like just 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 watching him. He just it looks like he's like almost out of position, and then he just suddenly like blocks a shot or contests a shot, or people just like miss around him. It's, sometimes it's not even always apparent how, but like he does it. Um, he's been big on the boards too, uh, so he's a player that we could see maybe being moved before the trade
0: deadline. Well, I was just gonna say that he he was someone who was probably who I thought could be like one of the number one targets uh, at the trade deadline. And that still could be true, but if the Spurs are staying afloat in the playing race at the very least, I, I don't, I don't think that'll happen necessarily. But I mean, there's so many good teams below them right now, record-wise. Um, uh, we'll see what happens. But hey, man, I mean, it, it's hard to, it's hard to doubt them right now. Well, no, actually, no, it's pretty easy to doubt them because of the numbers you threw out. They're kind of like the Minnesota Vikings of basketball.
1: Um, <laughs> what? But... I don't know if I got that far. <laughs> what? what? I don't know if I go that far, but. <laughs> well,
0: what do you mean? wait? Okay, well, I mean the Vikings. Okay, well, we're not going to talk about football. Uh, <laughs> the Vikings are probably better than the Spurs are relative uh, this season. Um, no, no, they
1: are. They're six and one, right? But like, yeah, they. But like, you would expect them to come back to earth as being like a ten win team. Like, like you think in a normal season they'd be like a ten win team. The Spurs, you're predicting them to maybe win like thirty games. Over like the course of the whole season.
0: Okay. Well, my my point was my my analogy was that both the Vikings and the Spurs are are pretty middling in terms of un- the underlying numbers. Sure. But they have outperformed those outperformed those numbers with with a winning record, with great records. So that is true. That that that's that was my point. Maybe that was too far. Maybe that was my Vikings bias coming out there, or my anti-Vikings bias rather. Um. But yeah, I mean, I I. I Greg Popovich, man, I don't know how much longer he's going to coach, but I would love it if they continue to win and we can just see him in the playoffs. Because who knows how much longer he will coach? Like I said, and you know who knows how many more times we'll see him in in those high stakes uh, scenarios. So, um, yeah, I mean the Spurs, the Spurs are one of those teams that like they they're a small market team, but they won five championships uh, and. Even though they won five championships, they don't, they aren't talked about like some of those other big market teams, you know. Um, Even though they have arguably the best coach um, in NBA history and one of the best dynasties in NBA history, so uh, I I I like it. I like it when the Spurs get some get some pop, you know. No pun intended, honestly. (laughs) That was probably intended. Come on. (laughs) It really was. You wrote that down this
1: morning, (laughs) and you put it. You put a sticker on your PC. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I, I, I promise you <laughs> I did not that is just a phrase I use uh, and I'm sure you'll hear a lot so uh, anything else on San Antonio? Um, Do you want to talk about Vassell? I, I mean I, you have, we haven't really talked about him
1: so he's been out a few games but he, he, earlier in the season he was playmaking really well and taking care of the ball with that increased load I really like him like I think he's he's maybe after Kelton Johnson and Jakob Purtle the guy that I could see being an important part of like a contending team elsewhere at some point in his career not quite yet but um yeah um i've liked josh richardson's point of attack defense he's had kind of a rocky road in the nba hopefully he can kind of get back to where he was at one point um with the heat um just a lot of effort across the board they've beaten the sixers and the wolves twice so like part of the reason that they're you know the teams below them in the standings that seem better than them are because they beat beaten them so give him credit there but um yeah other than that uh i just uh trey jones has been has been a cool watch so far he's been making his teammates better Mm -hmm. averaging 13 points and five assists and he started to shoot the three which is a new development for him he was never a shooter uh before this year so um yeah just just some some it's uh i also like the activity level and aggression from kata bates Diop. he's um a fun player to watch just gives it gives it his all on every possession but other than that, I mean, for this season, you know, for Spurs fans, I'm sure they're still going to be watching uh, watching the lottery odds or checking the tank standings or whatever in a few weeks. Come on, man. Of... <laughs> what? Come on.
0: Why, why you got to put that out there?
1: No, I'm saying that's what I am saying. That's what I think Spurs fans want. If you were a Spurs fan right oh, now, hey, true, would you, you want to okay, win 35 right. games? <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. <laughs> so right. yeah
0: victor, victor victor with pop i actually kind of want to see that
1: yeah he might uh, have to make pop coach another another 15 years
0: yeah exactly <laughs> i
1: don't think so but exactly. we can dream
0: um kate Maybe... bates yeah for ohio state guy i, oh, I like him a lot okay, in college yeah. Yeah, i liked I... him a lot in college hasn't really panned out so far um in the nba but hopefully hopefully he's found a spot you know in, in san antonio um uh, Well, I wanted to ask you, how's how's my boy Doug McDermott playing?
1: Uh, yeah,
0: I loved him him in college basketball.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have my my note here, McDermott doing McDermott things offensively, helping move the ball effectively and hitting threes. I feel like he's not trying as much defensively, but he's he's hitting 45% of his threes. You'll take that.
0: All right, let's talk about the Hidden Gem of the Week. Uh, The Hidden Gem of the Week is a league pass game that we pick each week to watch. Uh, the requirements basically are, they can't be. It can't be a game between two teams that, you know, you could imagine being a national TV game, um, and also we are not going to pick teams that we chose from uh, last week. Um, but so last week we did choose the Hawks versus the Pistons. The Hawks at the Pistons. Uh, they played on Friday night. The Hawks ended up winning one thirty-six to one twelve. Um, you know Trey Trey Young behind Trey Young and Dejounte Murray they both looked really well. Cade Cunningham looked great in the first half but unfortunately got into foul trouble and then in the second half uh, Trey and Dejounte kind of took over. Um, although basically the entire Hawks team took over in the second half. They had six guys in double figures in the second half, which is crazy. <laughs> um, so. Uh, what are your thoughts from this game? I think w- one thing I do want to say um, is, Kate is Kate is so impressive to me. Uh, his he might be one of the best mid range shooters in the league. I mean that shot is so money for a hit from him. Like that ten to twelve foot shot, he's able to beat um, his defender quite consistently. Not even just in this game, but you know from what I've seen from this season, quite consistently get to that spot and just drained that mid-ranger he was doing it against the Bucks as well uh quite a bit on on Monday night so he is he looks like he's improved which is what you want to see from uh, a Pistons perspective and he played a fantastic game in this one unfortunately like I said he got into foul trouble and uh didn't play I I would like to see how the game would have played out if he was able to play one more in the second half um but what were your thoughts on, on Cade in this game
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he did a great job in in this game, even with DeJounte Murray guarding him uh, for large stretches. He loved getting into that mid-range, as you said, and he showed just so much craft, too, around the basket, too. Um, Cade had an and-one poster, I think, on Onyeka and Kongwu in the second half. That was kind of fun. Uh, Yeah, I loved what I saw saw from him. Um, One second,
0: I want to correct myself real quick i said six guys were in double figures that's wrong i was looking at the plus minus numbers which makes a lot more sense i was very surprised uh only two guys were in double figures for the, Hawks in the second half uh DeJounte and trey so i apologize about that that's my mistake but you know we like to get out in front of it uh i'm clear out here sometimes you make mistakes podcasting's not easy you know but sorry continue <laughs>
1: that was no i i agree uh yeah, I mean for Cade, yeah, obviously just a great night from him all around. Uh looked really good. I think going to the basket as well looked a little bit more explosive um than um than he did last year um and I feel like I've noticed that a couple other times like that that dunk over on Yeka, like really th- that really uh got me excited for him. But yeah, just 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 so much craft around the basket too. I feel like he made some some layups that were in difficult positions and um but from a Hawks perspective, or I mean, I guess we I can continue with a couple more Pistons thoughts. Um. Uh, so, I want to see... Well, he... Go ahead.
0: Well, I was just going to say, he, he scored, just so people know, he scored 35 points, had 8 assists, and 9 rebounds. So, just a, a solid game for him all around. But, you yeah, know, I mean, I, I think continuing with the Pistons, I'll let you continue Um. Jaden Ivey did not have his best game, but I, I still was really impressed by what, from what I saw. And then, um, you know, kind of like we talked, I, re- I remember we talked about in the, during the summer league about Isaiah Stewart's development, and I sort of mentioned he's been kind of playing that P.J. Tucker-ish role. He didn't start off that way in this game, um, but he is, you know, he shot five threes in this game, which is uh, kind of a new development for him. And, that, and, you know, if he can continue to improve, he's not shooting great this season from three, but the fact that he's trying to add that to his game could be really helpful for the Pistons down in the seasons to come. And then the one thing I, I, I feel like Sadiq Bey has a bit of like that early Bucks career, Pat Connaughton syndrome. Like he's just trying to do too much for me. It just be a spot up three and D guy. That, that's my opinion. I mean he could turn into more. He he has he's a very talented dude. Um but I, I do think he tries to do too much sometimes. He's, he was two from eight of two for eight in this game, 0 for four from three. Um what do you think about that? you think I'm wrong or you think I'm right with that?
1: um well i I, I feel like I might lean towards wrong because what well, just let him do what he wants and develop no, I mean, no no probably... not not do what he wants and develop but like like I, I don't like maybe I think maybe his ceiling is a little higher than just a, a three and d player like on this team no, no,
0: it is it, it definitely it definitely is um but in in the few games I have watched this season, I just think he's been taking a lot of ill-advised shots and ill-advised drives, um, so I, I, he is. Like I said, he's extremely talented. His ceiling is high, much higher than Pat Connaughton. I mean, I, I I'm not. I, I just meant like sometimes I think you do need to slow down and and kind of, you know, n- know your place. And I mean, that sounds bad, but.
1: And it, just, it's it's guess, so wild how things no, changed with just the, the drafting of Jaden Ivey, Ivy, right? I feel like that's informing a lot of this this conversation. Sure, I mean that that could yeah. be
0: true, right? Yeah, I mean, well, not only that, they, I, you know, he's not he, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich is, is their other score. I mean, so they have three guys on the floor who, I mean, I would consider better scorers than Sadiq Bey right now. So maybe that's why I feel that way too.
1: Yeah, because like you know, last year at this time we would say like Sadiq Bey, you know, like like go for it, like he's their second, he's their second best player, and. You know, like he's 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 a really exciting talent. His usage has gone down a little bit, which makes sense. And I think I think to your point, like I, I think why that happen, why that's happening a little bit, is because he's having a tough time adjusting to a new role. So then, when he gets the ball, it's not as manufactured anymore. It's more like he just has to do something with it, right? He has to he he still has right, to try to right. put up the production that he did last season with with Duran and Iv and Bogdanovich. So yeah, I I. I'm still I still like Sadiq Bey a lot, but like you said, I, I think he does need to adjust a little bit to to having some more high volume scores in there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um from more from the Pistons, honestly, I, I the Pistons I think this is really an ideal season so far for the Pistons. They have looked super competitive, but they're still losing games. They did end up extending Boyan Bogdanovich, which is which was a bit surprising to me, but he has looked great and maybe that's a dude they can trade to a contender, and maybe that's why they extended him. Um, so you know, they're able to get stuff for him. Um what did you think of Jalen Duran in this game?
1: Um, I thought I I, I thought I like I love the energy on the boards from him. he had some he had some good dunks. It wasn't like the best Duran game I've seen, but uh I I mean I, I mean I always forget that he's like actually eighteen years old, so I, 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 I <laughs> That's he, crazy I, his ceiling, especially paired with Cade, who can kind of Look over a defense, kick it out to shooters, and then have the option to score himself in the mid range or throw a lob to Duran. Like that just seems like a recipe for success going forward.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, you know, Hamid Diallo, I think, is someone else who's pretty impressive to me. Um, and then you guys, you have like the two guys who I think are just incredible tank players for them, and Killian Hayes and Corey Joseph. Just keep, keep giving those guys twenty minutes a game. And uh, (laughs) I think that'll help their taking efforts. Killian Hayes is still young, too. He has a lot of potential. And Corey Joseph has been a solid player in the NBA. Um, But their minutes were kind of baffling to me in this game. Uh, Did you see... I mean, did you even notice when those guys were playing?
1: I mean, I noticed it, but I I agree that, like, it's not something that you're going to get super excited about if you're a Pistons fan. I mean, Killian Hayes, we hope there's still something left in there. It's still early, but... Um, he just hasn't shown that much, uh, to show that he's positively impacting the game yet. Um, I will say what's really frustrating in a game like this is like, to me, one of the most exciting things to watch this entire season is Jaden Ivey in transition. You know, when you can't be in transition, when you're giving up 136 points and that's been part of the story of the Pistons this season, they can't get a stop and you can't, you can't see this dynamic I think he could end up being, like, a generational athlete in the NBA in transition. So they're going to need to shore that up. But also, a lot of that credit has to go to this this Hawks offense.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And real quickly, New Noel made his debut for the Pistons on Monday. Um, so, I mean, him coming back, I think, will help their, their defense for sure. Uh, but I-, I totally agree. That was disappointing. A lot of free throws in this game as well. Uh, like, a ton of free throws a- a- in this game. Uh, but, yeah, let's go over to the Hawks. Um, dude, Dejounte, man, Dejounte Murray in the first quarter, oh, he he started that game. I mean, that might be one of the better starts to a game I've seen so far this season.
1: Yeah, two way too. Like he he's just he's just a force, and like I I think he does a good job like getting the ball midway through possessions and just making something out of it so that he doesn't need the ball at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I I just love that mix of Trey and Dejounte and like, the fact that you could always have one of those guys on the court, and especially in the playoffs will always have one of those guys on the court, is just, it's just such a good luxury to have, and Trey Young, I mean, I, like, he was just such a force on the pick and roll in this game, like, it was just, it was just ridiculous, like, he was destroying Jaden Ivey on some possessions, throwing up lobs, hitting deep threes, like, yeah, like I just, I just love watching him when he's at the peak of his powers like this.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, both of those guys were phenomenal. Dejounte had ten points in the first quarter in six minutes. He finished with twenty six, five, and four. Trey ended up with thirty six and uh, twelve assists. Um, no, I mean Trey. Trey was pretty phenomenal in this game. I, I still think. I mean, obviously he hasn't hit his ceiling because he's really young. Um, I, I do think they do. When when Dejounte has the ball, I do think Trey could do a little bit more off ball. I don't know if that will ever happen though. Um, at this point, it seems like that's just not something he really wants to do. Uh, and I do kind of wish Trey. Well, I, you know, I, I it's I should not be so negative with Trey because he had a phenomenal game and he was awesome. Um, but he, he's another one like where his shot selection baffles me, and he can make him. So I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, but I, I feel like sometimes, and this is a sentiment I've seen amongst Hawks fans as well, he goes a little bit too far with his shot selection, um, and, and settles for some really, really deep threes when, I think, I don't, I don't know if we talked about it before in the podcast, but we definitely talked about it in person. His deep three percentage is not that great throughout his career. Um, I mean, relative to other great, uh, three point, deep three point shooters. So, um, but other than that, I mean, he was he was phenomenal. He's so much fun to watch on offense when he's not shooting free throws. Um, and, uh, he, I, he just, he, I, I, I really am excited to see where, where these two can take this team. Um, they haven't not had the greatest start to the season, but I, I do think, I think they're kind of fine and I think they will be okay and end up, um, being in, in the playoffs, uh, when it's all said and done. Um, Another another player I was really impressed with was was Aaron Holiday. Um, he he looks great. He had fourteen points in this one, um, and he's just another. It's really nice to have a third guard that they can play. Um, so I mean, theoretically, you're always you're always gonna have Trey Young and Dejounte Murray, um, but you're also always gonna have Trey Young, Dejounte Murray, and Aaron Holiday. You're gonna have two of those guys on the floor most likely. Um, so I. Obviously, he's not going to shoot five for six in every single game he plays, but he looks really active on defense, and um, he he made some he he made some really nice shots. What did you think of Aaron Holiday's performance?
1: Yeah, he was really good. It feels like he's put together a good stretch of games here. Um, yeah. They, they, well, this is the second time, right? Two of the Holiday Brothers have been on the same team. I think they're both on the same team in, in Indiana as well. So that's yeah, always it's fun. Not,
0: it's not just two of the Holiday Brothers, it's these two Holiday Brothers. Well, exactly. I don't know if Drew's ever been with the other one. No, he yeah. hasn't. It-
1: but he we always, yeah. <laughs> we got to see that photo op recently after the uh, Bucks Hawks game. Um, yeah. yeah, uh,. Another player I I found exciting was Onyeka Okungbu who I just loved. Oh, like, he
0: was awesome. He works
1: awesome. so hard. He just plays such good defense. Has some touch in the paint. He showed a nice spin move in the second quarter. Like, I I, like, I I, I can see a world where he starts eventually for sure. Especially, I mean, so he, do, do yeah. you
0: think he can play with Clint? Do you think he can play with Clint Capella?
1: I I think so. I, I'm not sure if that's the best... Maybe it's not the best fit um, when you already have, um, like, D- D- DeJounte Murray, who's not the greatest in terms of, like, backcourt shooters around the league, um, and then is a non-shooter. Like, I think... I think... But maybe Clint Capella or John Collins or one of them could be traded. I mean, John Collins... I think John Collins can fit with a Kongu for sure. But, yeah. I, it, it'll be interesting to see. I I, I think... Either way, I wouldn't be shocked down the road if Akongwu is a starter.
0: I really don't think this team should trade John Collins. Like I, I, don't know what's going on with with him and the organization, but I, I think Clint Capella would be the one I would trade first um, because of Okongwu's emergence. Um is a smaller guy; he's he's six um, nine, and, and Clint Clint is such a nice lob threat. Um, with with the trey young pick and roll but i mean a congo can do that too uh even though he is shorter but his defense is is impressive um he ended the game with 16 points uh in this one um but yeah i mean he and aaron holiday were the two guys that really stood out to me outside of you know obviously Dejounte and trey um and you know deandre hunter had a really nice shooting game as well two for five from three which was which was encouraging I know he's one of your like favorite players. I mean, well, not favorite players, but he's your type of player. That is a Sahil Qatar type. Of yeah, player. no,
1: I, I I like DeAndre Hunter and I did like Kevin Herter too. I I don't yeah. really know why they had to move him, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see because Hunter's got a lot of pressure. You got these, you got some of the guys that are like labeled bigs. You got some of the guys that are labeled backcourt players like Dejounte Murray. He's he, he's more likely to guard backcourt players than wings. So DeAndre Hunter a lot of pressure on him to kind of guard those wings and play in those in those wing spots.
0: Because, um, uh, yeah, I mean, Justin, Justin Holliday was pretty bad in this game, and he's the other guy on the team that's going to be guarding wings. Um, so uh, what about Jalen Johnson? He played quite a few minutes in this game. What did you think of his performance?
1: You know, I, I honestly I honestly don't really remember much of what... Well, I, I remember making a few plays, but I, I didn't note it down and can't think of anything that stood out to me. What did you think?
0: Uh, I mean, I think, I think, well, this is only his, I think this is his second season. Um, I mean, he shot well. He was three for five from the field, one for one from three. He was active on defense. And I think he might be the guy that can sort of slot into those bench minutes in, in terms of guarding, uh, guarding wing players. He, he played 21 minutes this game. Um, I, you know, he's not someone I was paying a lot of attention to, but I just thought as the game went on, I was like, well, you know what? He's playing, he's playing pretty well. Um, I mean, which is, is. You know, when it's a player like that, if you don't necessarily, if you don't notice them on the defensive end, it's a good thing. Um, So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's a nice player. Uh, We'll see how he develops, and if he can become a guy for them, um, that would be that would be really, really great, really great for the Hawks. But, and I agree with you. Like, I don't really understand why they had to trade Kevin Herder. I wonder if it's just they don't want to pay all these guys. Which, you know, maybe at some point we should talk about the NBA talking about a hard cap. Um, right. To help some of these broke boy billionaires or whatever. Um. So yeah, I I thought he was good though. I I I I want to see more of him. Uh. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think it's it's important to kind of talk about some of these marginal guys because a lot of picks went out in that Dejounte Murray trade. So if if they're not going to be a a team that's hosting a uh a series in the first round this year, it's going to need to be mostly internal development or anyone they they may draft in the future. So right. um, I mean, they
0: have tradable pieces, right? They do have John they Collins. Do. They do have Kurt Capella um, or even a Wolf if he's a guy that you wanted to trade. But um, that—that's that, true. That's a good observation. Um, anything else from this game?
1: Um. Well, I, I, I did. You remember before the season that Samir sent us a question about the Pistons' new jerseys, and they were wearing those jerseys oh, in this you know- game.
0: Yes. I honestly, that was the first thing I was going to talk about. Uh, that's the first thing I had in my notes and then I completely forgot to mention it. The teals were out in, uh, little Caesars arena. You know, it's funny. I was talking to a friend this weekend. Um, uh, when I was in New York for one of my friend's proposals, and he's a huge Pistons fan. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to a Pistons game next week. I'm going to Caesars Palace. <laughs> that's not the name <laughs> of the arena. I mean, it was the Palace of Auburn Hills, and now it's Little Caesars <laughs> Arena. So I just I combined them together. But I think that's a great name. They should call it Caesars Palace. <laughs>
1: to give an homage? I don't know if they... Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. <laughs>
0: but, <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, the, the teal jerseys are are great... Uh, and, you know, the old logo also they had on the floor, the old Pistons logo, brings back a lot of nostalgia for me. Uh, You know, growing up as a kid in Toledo, watching the Pistons play from a very young age, you know, lead pass wasn't a thing when I was little, so I I got to watch the Bucks on national TV, but the Pistons were the team that I could watch consistently and go to games, so um, that was really cool. Uh, I didn't see the teal. The teal was a little bit before my time, but the horse... The horse um, in the yeah. middle of the court brought back some memories. Um, but, no, the jerseys were clean. There have been some really good throwback jerseys this year. Um, you know, I, I'm bringing up the Bucks again, but their purples looked incredible, I thought. Um, I, I kind of want that jersey. Uh, and there's some other really good uh, throwbacks around the league. I hope – I don't know if the Jazz have worn theirs yet, but I know they're going to wear the, their, like, mid-'90s, late-'90s jersey at some point this season. I'd love to see the Grizzlies wear their throwbacks. Um but yeah, you know you you know I'm someone who's not crazy about the jersey game, but I do like these throwbacks.
1: Yeah, they they've been super fun, and I, I i feel like I feel like it's gonna it's it's not gonna get boring anytime soon. Seeing like Ivy and Cade wear these jerseys, like i they've they've got the exciting players to 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 match the the uh, these throwback jerseys, and um, yeah, yeah, I just feel like the Pistons are cool. The Pistons are just really cool.
0: <laughs> they are cool. They are cool, and I like how that these teams are leaning into it, like. Um, the Pistons on their, on their Jumbotron, they had the old Hawks logo. I mean, I guess it's the current logo is the old Hawks logo, but the one in between, um, with the Hawk, like, hold, the Josh Smith Hawks logo. Um, and, you know, like, the, what the Bucks were, they played Light It Up. I don't know if you saw that, but they played the yeah. Light It Up video prior to their game. So, um, I think bringing some of that, some of that stuff back is really cool and a way to engage maybe some of the older fans, because, um... Well, this is just a tangent, I guess, but I hear constantly from older fans like I can't watch the NBA anymore, blah blah blah. I'm like, dude, get over yourself. Watch the freaking NBA. It's the best it's ever been, in my opinion. It's so exciting. <laughs> There's so much parody. There's so many good players in small markets. Um, if if hopefully we can bring some of the old heads back, hold the heads back with this with these jerseys, <laughs> and they'll realize I've been missing out. I don't know. Yeah, that, that that was a that was a bit of a rant, but whatever. I'm passionate about this stuff.
1: i appreciate Um, it i want more people watching too
0: exactly um all right let's uh move on to our hidden gem for this week what do you think we should go with this week um
1: i've been looking around I, i i've been thinking maybe there's not
0: many great ones right
1: yeah there's not many what were you thinking
0: um i i like i like the raptors versus spurs I think that's a really interesting one. Again, these teams that have outperformed or have overperformed, I want to see them. I want to watch them when they're still like interesting to me. But I guess that's one Wednesday, isn't it?
1: I feel like I could see that um, game being a blow and I kind of I kind of wouldn't mind seeing that. I mean, <laughs> just because yeah. I I I want to see if this Raptors defense with all these rangy wings can just kind of take away some of the some of the easy stuff that the Spurs are or not easy stuff, but some of the some of the open threes they've been getting, and I feel like like Keldon Johnson, like once he's matched with like OGN and like I kind of want to see how that how that looks.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely, and it's a game I definitely want to watch. But it is Wednesday, so I feel like by the time people hear this, it might it might be over, or like it might have already happened.
1: What about uh? Um... What about Wizards Grizzlies on Sunday?
0: Wizards Grizzlies. Uh <laughs> Um what, you're just not interested in the Wizards? I I am not interested in the Wizards.
1: But
0: I'm maybe 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 that's my thing. Maybe I should be. Um you know what could be a good one? Uh on Saturday, Magic Kings. I mean the teams suck, but um you know, it could give us a chance, and the viewers a chance to watch Paolo, um, and also, you know, Darren yeah,
1: Fox yeah. Why don't we like go the, with why don't, why don't we go with that one? Yeah, a, a lot of, a lot of fresh names there. Kevin Horner, who <laughs> we went on a tangent. Yeah, how this in this yeah. episode about? We can watch him.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's go with that one. Saturday, the Kings are at the Magic at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Um, so mark your calendars. That'll be our hidden gem. For this upcoming week, we will discuss that on the next episode of Clear Out. With that, though, we are going to wrap things up. Uh, we've been here for an hour and 15 min- minutes. Jeez. Um, we're going to wrap things up. Make sure you follow us at Clear Out Pod on Twitter. Email us at at gmail.com We will see you guys next time on the next episode. Yeah.